Let's pray and we'll open up God's word. This has been a rich morning, Lord. Our hearts have been lifted with joy as we behold you and your love for us in Christ. Our hearts have felt the weight and the sorrow of brothers and sisters who are being persecuted. And Lord, all of this comes together in you because we love you and we say you are worth it all. We love your glory. We love the the salvation we have in Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd come now and work through your word. Lord, prune us, shape us, mold us, put your loving hands around us like a potter with clay and use this passage to shape us so that we will bring you more glory. We will love each other more deeply. We'll make disciples who make disciples for the glory of Jesus more effectively. Do that, Lord. Help me as I preach now. I need your help, Father, in a big way. So give me the heart. Give me the wisdom. Come into work now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So let's start uh, by having you imagine that you are on a business trip. You've been on this business trip for months, and finally the project is finished. Woo, done, okay? And, and you get to go online and, and make your reservations for your flight back home. And you are looking forward to being back home, sleeping in your own bed, okay, eating your own food, uh, seeing your wife, seeing your kids, whatever this, you know, your home group, whatever it might be. So you are looking forward to get home and you go online to reserve your tickets and you find that the soonest flight is 10 days away. To your despair, you see, oh my goodness, 10 days away. So here's my question to you. If that happened... What would you do? What would you do? I mean, you could do things like, you know, call another airline or actually call the airline directly. You could, you know, you could see if there's any possibility of going standby, right? There's other, you know, ways you could try to find a flight. Would you also stop and pray and ask God to intervene and prepare a faster flight? Would you do that? And if you would do that, I hope you would. Would you also ask other people to pray that God would intervene and give you a faster flight? Would you ask like your home group, your wife, your kids, your friends to pray that you'd get a faster flight? The reason I mention that is that I believe this morning God wants to stir our hearts, Mercy Hill Church, with the importance of asking other people to pray for us. The importance of asking other people to pray. And I would guess as I've thought about this passage that that many of us don't do this. Some of you do, okay? But I would guess that many of us don't. And there's a lot of possible reasons. One reason might be because you don't want to be a bother. Or you might not think that your request is big enough to warrant asking other people. Or you might not sure it's going to make any difference to ask anybody else to pray. There's lots of possible reasons But this morning, I believe God wants to stir in our hearts the importance of asking other people to pray for us. And the reason I think that's what God wants to stir in our hearts is because that's what the author of Hebrews talks about in these next two verses. So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verses 18 through 19. Now, if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. We want to bring one to you so you can look on as we study. And Hebrews 13, verse 18 is on page 1010 in the Bibles we're passing out. Hebrews 13 Verses 18 through 19. I think we're going to finish Hebrews next Sunday, okay? I just couldn't get past these two verses. It's just like, oh, this is too, this is too good. So we're coming to the end. Last lap, Hebrews chapter 13. Now, 
Remember what the author is doing in chapter 13 of Hebrews. He starts off addressing some areas in which his readers needed to grow. They needed to grow in stirring up affection for each other in the body of Christ. They needed to grow in showing hospitality towards strangers. They needed to grow in visiting in prison those of their body who had been arrested and and were suffering there. They needed to grow in sexual purity. They needed to fight against love of money. Uh, There was a strange teaching floating around that if your heart was weak emotionally, that that you'd get God's presence by eating certain foods. And they needed to stop thinking that that was true and realize it's in God's grace through Jesus Christ that he will strengthen, comfort, and courage their hearts. Have you been feeding on the presence of Jesus Christ this last week? When your heart's hungry, thirsty, empty, hopeless, have you been feeding on the rich treasures of who Jesus Christ is? That's what the author talked about in those verses. And then he also talks about how they should be relating to their leaders. So that was the kind of the first section of Hebrews chapter 13. Now in verse 18, he transitions and moves into more personal and kind of like farewell concerns, personal closing concerns. And look at what he says in verses 18 and 19. He says, pray for us. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Okay, so what is he asking them to do? It's pretty clear, those first three words. Pray for us. So the apostle, it's probably an apostle who wrote this letter, is asking his readers, pray for us. Pray for me, pray for those that are with me on this, probably a church planting trip, missionary journey, whatever it might be. Pray for us. Now, what does it mean to pray? I want to just address this heads up because uh, a lot of people in our culture are mistaken or confused about what prayer is. So a couple things prayer is not. Prayer is not thinking positive thoughts towards a circumstance or towards a person. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is also not emptying your mind of thoughts and just kind of... That's also not what prayer is. Nor is prayer repeating spiritual words or phrases, thinking that somehow if you repeat them, that somehow you're going to bring about a change in a situation. None of those is what prayer is in the Bible. In the Bible, prayer is very simple. It's talking to God. It's talking to God. Confessing, thanking, worshiping, asking, you're talking to God. It's very simple when you think about it. Now, as soon as we put it that simply, though, in all of our hearts, deep down inside, we know there's a problem, and that is we've all sinned against God. We've ignored God. We've turned our backs against God. We haven't loved him the way we should, worshiped him, thanked him, obeyed him the way we should. So how can we talk to God if we've sinned against God? Many of you already know the answer to that question. Some of you may not know the answer to that question. This is the best news you will ever hear if you don't know the answer to that question. And the answer is the reason that we who have sinned against God can talk to him is because God sent Jesus Christ into the world 2,000 years ago. He was born of a virgin He was fully God, he became fully man, and he lived on the earth 2,000 years ago. That's what Christmas is celebrating, his his virgin birth. I'm looking forward to our Advent season. We're going to take the four Sundays of December, and we're going to build towards celebrating what it means that he came. So God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, and we could see him, touch him, 
Watch his love. Listen to his teaching. Look at his miracles. Look at his power. Look at his compassion. And then he went to the cross. And on the cross, he was being punished in our place for the punishment that we deserve for our sin. So, so here's why this is the best news in the world. The moment you turn and put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Lord, as your heart-satisfying treasure, the moment you trust Jesus Christ, all your sins are forgiven, all your past sins, present sinfulness, future sins, all forgiven. And so when you simply talk to God, your Creator, in Christ, because you're trusting Christ to forgive you for all your sins, the moment you say a word, say, God, He's right there. He's smiling. He's listening. He's attentive. He's pleased that you're coming. He's leaning towards you because he wants to hear every single word that you're saying. The God, the creator God, sovereign, mighty, powerful, righteous, just, holy, awesome, is right there listening to you. The moment you say, Father, he's right there listening. Yes, I'm here. Yes. So that's what he's asking his readers to do. Talk to God on my behalf, he says. Talk to God and ask him some things for us, this this team of missionaries that are here away from you right now. That's what prayer is, and that's what he's asking them to do, is to pray for him. But that's not all that he says in verse 18. He also gives them a reason for why they should pray for him. Did you catch that? Read all of verse 18. He says, pray for us for, there's the reason, for We are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. So why should they pray for him? Why should they pray for the author of this letter? It's because he and those with him, they've got a clear conscience and their desire is to act honorably. Now, that does not mean that these men were perfect. Okay, Clear conscience does not mean that you're perfect. Here's what it means. It means that They've opened up their hearts to the, to the searching of God's word and to the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and they know that there's no area of sin that they are stubbornly clinging to. doesn't mean they're perfect, but there's no area of sin that they're stubbornly holding on to. They're fighting their sin. They're seeking to, obedient, to be obedient to the Lord. And when they sin, they're repenting and confessing that, saying, forgive me, and they get back in the fights. And so because that's their hearts, there's no area of sin they're like saying, nope, this is mine, I'm going to hold on to this one, because they've surrendered their lives to the Lord, asked him to forgive them, they're fighting their sin, and when they sin, they, they repent and bring it before the Lord. They've got a completely clear conscience before God. That's what it means to have a clear conscience. And their heart desires to act honorably, to honor Christ to live in a way that would honor Christ in everything that they do. And so he says, pray for us, because we have a clear conscience, and our desire is to honor Christ in all that we do. Okay, now, how is that a reason, though, for why they should pray for him? I spent a lot of time thinking about that this week. I, I read all the commentators I could find, I, and they gave all kinds of different reasons. And, and my conclusion is, um, I'm not sure of how it works. Okay, sometimes pastors just need to say, you know, I don't know, okay? But let me share with you some of the reasons that were given, and maybe you can think of, maybe you're seeing something in the passage that I'm not seeing, and you can, can help me figure out what it means. But 
Part of the scenario, remember, see in verse 19, he says, pray that I can return to you, which a lot of commentaries think, and I think they're right, that this implies that that was home to him, where the the Hebrews were believing that who this letter was written to, where they were living, was home to him. He was probably a leader in that church who they'd send out on a missionary journey. So pray that I can return to you sooner. Okay, so the fact that that was his home, maybe some were questioning why he'd been away so long. One commentator mentioned that, maybe. And so he wants to say, look, we've got a clear conscience before the Lord. We, we are going to be coming back to you as quick as we possibly can. Maybe that's why that reason works. Maybe some were bringing other criticisms against him in the church. He wants to assure them there's no grounds for criticism. Maybe he's just saying that because we're earnestly following Christ, nothing will get in the way of God answering your prayers for me, so pray for us. Okay, again, I'm not sure, all right? So you think about that some more. How does eight, the second part of verse 18 give his readers a reason to pray for him? And then when you figure it out, let me know. But I don't know right now. But let's move on to the next question, which is, I, I do know the answer to this one, I believe. And that is, what exactly is he asking them to pray for? Okay, read verse 18 and 19 together. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things, I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. So he wants them to pray that he can be restored to them sooner. Okay, like I said, that word restored probably means that that's his home. He wants to come home sooner. But notice that he doesn't just want to be restored to them. He wants to be restored sooner, which means there's a way for him to get back but he doesn't like how long that's going to take. He has a way to be restored to them, but he wants them to pray that he can be restored to them sooner. So I just try to think of like, maybe he's been church planting and uh, he doesn't have the money to get back on the boat right now. And it's maybe it's going to take him like six months to work. You know, Paul was a tent maker. Maybe he needed six months to work to get the money for the trip. And he's the thought of, I can't come back for six months. Pray that I can come back sooner. Something like that, maybe. Something was in the way of him returning sooner. So he says, pray that I can come back sooner. And notice he's not just asking them, pray that I can come back sooner. He's earnestly asking them to do this. Verse 19, I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. So he's not just saying, pray for me to to return sooner. He's earnestly saying, please, please pray that I can come back sooner. That's earnest. So the word earnest means, right? So he's passionate about this. So that's what he's asking them to do. He's earnestly asking them, pray that I can come back sooner. You know why? Why does he earnestly ask them to pray that he can come back sooner? Why would he do that? I mean, he's an apostle. Okay? He's got a very strong relationship with the Lord. Okay? He could pray. Right? I mean, couldn't he pray? And certainly God, he's an apostle, certainly you know, God would listen to him. Couldn't he say, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that I would return sooner and okay, we're good to go, right? Why does he ask them to pray for him? To see the reason why, I read verse 19 again. I urge you the more earnestly to do this, to pray for me. And then here's why. In order that I may be restored to you the sooner. So the reason he asks them to pray for him to return sooner is he knows 
that if they pray, that could possibly move God's heart to grant him a sooner return than if they had not prayed. He knows that if they will pray and ask God to help him to return sooner, that could move God's heart to intervene in such a way that he does get back sooner than if they would not have prayed for him. Now, there's a lot of mystery to prayer, but let me, let me just kind of give you a picture to think about how this works. When you, by yourself, pray for a need that you have in Jesus' name, when you do that, God has chosen to have our prayers in Jesus' name move his heart to work. And when you, in the, in the quietness of your study, you're on your knees by your bed, and you pray and you ask God to do something, that stirs God's heart to work on your behalf. And he will either do exactly what you're asking him to do, or something even better, which you probably wouldn't have received had you not prayed. So great power comes when you, by yourself, pray. Okay, That's what the Bible teaches. That's not all that the Bible teaches, though. God has chosen to have his heart be even more stirred when more people pray about something. Even more stirred when more people pray. So maybe when you pray by yourself, just for for your own need by yourself, maybe that's like a hundred megatons of stirring of God's heart. It's big. When you pray all by yourself, God's heart's stirred to work. But now if you ask somebody else or a couple other people to pray for you, that might like add another 15 megatons to that. It might up it from 100 to like 115. And so when more people pray about something, God's heart is stirred to pray even more. Now why would God choose to work in that way? Why would he set it up so that if more people pray, his heart is stirred even more? Let me just throw out a couple of possibilities. One is... um, these are very powerful. It builds loving relationships. Okay, if it was just like you always just pray by yourself, don't ever pray with anybody else, don't ever tell anybody else your prayer requests, then we would all just kind of be like, hmm, we'd all be up in the kind of the mountaintop, hmm, right, just all by ourselves, no community, no love. But if you know that as powerfully as God works when you pray by yourself, even like another 15 megatons is added to that hundred of yours, like 115 total, if you ask somebody else to pray, what are you going to do? Would you pray for me? This is why I asked you to pray for my weekend, last weekend. 115 megatons! We need help! I need help! This is why the worship team people are gathering Tuesday night to pray. Lord, provide us our next worship leader. Give us wisdom because, I mean, Jerry and I can just pray that by ourselves and that's, that's really powerful with Jerry and I, right? Okay, But we have more people added in, even more God's chosen to have his heart stirred because it builds community. We're going to experience community Tuesday night. When you share your needs with people in your home group, it builds community, it builds love, it builds care. That's one reason. A second reason is because when more people are praying for your need and God works, they can see God's work even more powerfully and they are encouraged even more. I remember, where's Mike Lemoyne? How many years ago was it that you needed a job? You were at Osh and you weren't working there anymore? This is a little, eight years ago? Eight years ago, and we as a church were praying for Mike, for how many weeks? It was a while. Okay, it was a few months, okay. And so we were all praying for this, and then he got the job at Apple. And it was like, woohoo! Okay, so, but see, if, if it had just been Mike, like just, you know, praying and 
got a job. Praise the Lord. Okay, then we're all just like, you know, just, hmm, okay, but we all knew. We were all praying. We all saw God work. We were all encouraged. We were all celebrating. God loves community. He loves encouragement. He loves celebration. And so he has chosen to have his heart be stirred even more when you have others pray for you. Do you believe that? That's what he says. And see, that's why I was just thinking, there's many places in the New Testament where Paul, for example, asks people to pray for him. If you ever asked the question, why does Paul ask people to pray for him so often? Why does he do that? You think, well, it's just, it's just to, to benefit them, it'll be good for them to pray, and, and it will, and it, it is good, but also because Paul wants help. Paul needs help. 100 megaton, yes. I need the 15 or the 20, whatever more is added when more people are praying. And so here's just some examples of, of how Paul asks others to pray. Colossians 4, 3. He says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. Now, Paul prayed a lot by himself. Father, open a door for the word. And God's heart was strongly moved through Paul's prayer. But when Paul asks the church at Colossae to pray for that, he knows that's going to stir God's heart even more to open up a door for the word. So ask them to pray. Another 15 megatons of power. Ephesians 6, 19, Paul says, And also pray for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly, to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So Paul would pray on his own, Lord, give me words to boldly proclaim the gospel. And he knows that'll stir God's heart and God will work. But he also knows that God will work even more powerfully if he asks others to pray and others are praying for Paul for that. Romans 15:30. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Strive together with me. Pray for me. And he mentions two requests. That I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Pray, brothers, sisters, that I can be delivered from unbelievers who want to arrest me and persecute me. Pray that I can be delivered and pray that my ministry in Jerusalem will be pleasing to God as he touches the saints. Philippians 1.19 He says, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this imprisonment that I'm in now will turn out for my deliverance. I know that through your prayers, deliverance is coming. Okay, now he, he obviously prayed for deliverance on his own, but he asks them to pray because when more people pray, God has chosen to have his heart be stirred more. One last example, 2 Corinthians 1.11 you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So pray, many pray, and as God gives the blessing, the many who prayed will see God giving the blessing and they will celebrate how that, how that works. So just imagine that you were this church getting this letter and, and you read the author is asking us to pray earnestly that he'll return sooner and you take that seriously. And so you, you, you pray, you pray with your family. Let's, let's pray that he'll be able to return more, more quickly. And then you pray for that as you're working. You're praying for that in the evening and you're, you're praying and you're asking God, intervene so that he can return to us more quickly. And then maybe a month later there's a, there's a knock on the church door or whatever and there, he's there. And he's smiling and he says, let me tell you what happened. 
Hey, I didn't have money to pay for my trip back. I was looking at six months of working before I'd be able to come back to you. I sent you the letter, asked you to pray. How many of you prayed? Well, let me tell you what happened, he says. Two weeks later, somebody came and visited us and said, I've got money for your trip back. Do you need any help? And he donated the entire money I needed to get back and so bought the ticket and here I am. Woohoo! Be a major celebration, right? And the fact that you prayed would so encourage your heart because you'd know, I prayed and God answered. God, you're faithful. We love you. So that's how this all works. God has chosen to let his heart be stirred when you pray all by yourself. Big time, God's heart is stirred. 100 megatons of stirring. But he's also chosen to have his heart be stirred even more when you ask others to pray. Maybe add another 15 megatons to that. And that's why the author in Hebrews asks others to pray for him. And that's why you should ask others to pray for you. Do you do that? Now, what questions does that raise? And I'm going to move into some closing application. So... As you're pondering this, what questions does this stir up? I like to ask questions because sometimes it really helps clear up something that I haven't been so so clear upon, or maybe you can uh, help shed light on something that I maybe missed. Am I understanding the passage correctly? I mean, maybe you just like, I don't think you're, you know, you, any questions, fair game. Gulp. No, really. Andrew. And then Maria. Yes. That is possible, especially because he wants to be restored. So he probably was a leader there, and so that might flow in. So part of of honoring your leaders, part of obeying and submitting to them, is to pray for them. Thank you. So that's verse sixteen and seventeen. The previous verse, actually one verse, seventeen. Maria. More of a what? A testimony. We love testimonies to the power of prayer. Okay, so we had our 50th annual pumpkin carving party this year. And um, on Friday, the home group fasted and prayed. And the majority of the home group was in prayer. And um, on, on Sunday is our pumpkin carving party. And the five years, there was more uh, open conversation about um, you know, our neighbors open about their faith. And um, some of them are like, what church do you go to? We want to go to church. So, um, Beautiful. They told me, I'm coming to your church next week. And, um, and we've been inviting her for since we moved in. Mm. So, and um, learning about other people's faith in our wow. neighborhood, we, we know now how to specifically pray. Yes. So, Yes. Yes. Yeah, fasting like adds another 10 or 15 megatons too. So yeah, okay. So a week ago Friday, your home group fasted and prayed. And then last Sunday in the afternoon, you had your pumpkin, your fifth annual pumpkin carving. And this was the best yet. Thanks, Chuck. He goes up there, Mr. Rafferty goes up there and he 
cupbearer and he goes, hey, uh, this is my, you know, he, he was, he's like, I didn't get permission to do this, but then he just declared, we love you because Jesus loved, loves us. Mm. And, and after that, it just opened up more conversation. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. So we're pretty open about our faith. That's great. Um, one of our neighbors too that we've been inviting came to <coughs> was was doing the sermon that Sunday and he came. Nice. And that's years of building relationships. Yes. It's um it's coming to fruit. And I think part of that was the prayer yes. of our home group and, and the whole Powerful. Good. Nice. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Great example. Yes. Good. So let that encourage you. Thank you, Maria. Who else? Questions, questions. Don't be bashful. If you've got a question, Josie, it's probably because somebody else, other people have it as well. So, Josie, here you go. So why has God chosen to have more people praying stir his heart more? Well, I just threw out two possibilities. One is because he loves the community that comes from that, because we're sharing our prayer requests with each other, and we're, we're praying for each other, and there's a lot more bonding. And the second reason is, and the Second Corinthians passage refers to that, more people will see God's powerful work if more people know about the request and are praying for it ahead of time. So those are the, the two I thought of. Does that make sense? Good question. Back here. Karen. There it is. Mine's also more of a praise thing. Um, my brother-in-law had been out of work for over a year, and we've been praying, um, and then we were sharing with our home group, and we had been praying, and about a month ago, he finally got a job as a dishwasher at Feather River Hospital. It was a job. Very good. But he is a, a trained chef. Okay. So he went in to fill out the last of the paperwork and saw that there was a part-time cook's job on the board. Asked the HR lady about it. She goes, well, you know what? I was just about to call you. I have a different job for you. And he says, well, what is that? She goes, we have a full-time chef's position opening right now. Wow. Beautiful. 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 Excellent. Yes. Great testimony. Okay, last call. One over here. Heidi. Right here, Chuck. Okay. I wasn't going to say anything, but it came up about prayer. Yeah. And um, I was feeling a little fearful because I'm having surgery Tuesday. Yes, you are. And um, so I put it on Facebook. To ask, I asked for prayer for my Facebook friends and family. So it's not only the avenue. Never expected over 50 con- 
Wow. Beautiful. Right on. And we're praying for you on Tuesday. Thanks for mentioning that. Okay, Ming Lan. Steve's got it. Thanks, Chuck. Yes. Yes, we will pray, Minglan. Thanks for mentioning that. Okay. Chuck's got to ask one, or mention one. And it encourages your heart too. That's right. And that's powerful. And that's what Heidi was mentioning as well. So it encourages you to know that people are holding you up in prayer, lifting you up in prayer. Okay, so church, I want to encourage you to ask others to pray for you. Okay? What holds you back from doing that? Are you letting the Holy Spirit stir your heart this morning with how important it is that you ask others to pray? You are withholding blessing from them if you don't ask them to pray. You're withholding blessing from you if you don't ask them to pray. You are lessening the glory that will come to God when he answers prayer if you don't ask others to pray. So listen, those are three pretty weighty reasons. I can't think of any good reason not to ask other people to pray for you. So ask your home group to pray for you. Ask your guys in your DNA group, the girls in your DNA group. Ask your kids to pray for you. I remember asking my kids to pray for for real estate transactions back when I was doing real estate. Ask others to pray for you. Paul asked others to pray for him. The author of Hebrews asks others to pray for him. And I want to encourage you to ask others to pray for you. That's what God's calling us to do. Let that get stirred in your heart this morning. So let's stand up. Now, one other part about this is at the end of every service, we have a home group come up. In fact, it's the Camden 17 home groups. Why don't you guys come on up this morning? And they are up here to pray for you. They are here so you can walk up to them and ask somebody, would you pray for me? So this gives us a tangible way to apply this sermon right now. No pressure. (laughs) But I feel like, I mean, the the front should be full of people. I mean, we, we always have people coming forward to ask for prayer. But have you ever come forward and asked somebody to pray for you in terms of the end of our service? And that's not because you've never had a need. So ask yourself why. I just want to gently nudge you a little bit to consider this. And so I'm going to speak a blessing over us in a moment. And then before you go, if you have a need, come forward and have somebody pray. They will keep it private. They will keep it confidential. You'll bring blessing to them, blessing to you, more glory to Christ. 100 megaton to 115 megaton, it'll be a good thing. So, Father, I pray that you'd work in us as a church, that we would be quicker, Lord, to ask others to pray for us.
I ask that you would do that for your glory, for our good. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Here's a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, Mercy Hill Church, and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.